0: Hey, welcome back and welcome to episode 31 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. And wow, as this season starts to enter its later phases, what a series of events and topics there are to talk to. And the season continues to unfold in all sorts of different ways. And we have just so many things to talk about. Mostly positive, but we're also going to touch on some really bizarre issues that are going around out there as well. So let's get right to it, actually. And finally, for the first time in a long time, a coach of Montreal's AHL team is preparing players for the NHL when they are called up that actually look ready and are ready to step in and not look completely lost and out of place. It appears that J.F. and his staff have installed a concept that is in line with the concept of the Montreal Canadiens at the same time and what Martin St. Louis is trying to do. So not only is everybody in Montreal on the same page, but it seems like their AHL team is also on the same page. So let's recognize the coaching staff and administrative uh, personnel inclusive of not only in Montreal... But the fact that they've come together and worked, that the conversation has trickled down to all layers of the organization, the AHL, junior players, the NHL club have all meshed and are all on the same page at the same time. That is probably something that doesn't get a lot of press, doesn't seem to generate a lot of excitement, but is fundamentally what either drives success of any organization in any sport, or just creates endless adrift or, you know, a ship afloat that never seems to come into port and do anything type concepts, and that is something that has gone on way too long. When the players come up from the AHL, how many years have people now seen... Wow, what is this guy being taught? He doesn't even look remotely ready to start. Doesn't fit in. The game looks too fast for him at the NHL level. Doesn't understand positional or situational play. And finally, all of that seems to be behind them. And that is a highlight of any season. It's been outstanding, very refreshing, and just so overdue. It's been great to actually see. Let's pivot over to Kirby Doc who's having a fantastic season and has been a solid addition to the team. Which is kind of got to be entertaining for at least some of us because there were all those naysayers at the 22 draft that said, oh my God, why did we get this guy? He hasn't done anything. He's looked horrendous in Chicago. Hasn't come together as a player. We gave up a young stud defenseman for him. In the trade, well, I guess the Krog starts getting eaten in just massive amounts right now. And really, quite honestly, months ago as well. Because he has clearly shown his value to the team. He is clearly part of the future of this team. We'll get into more details about him a little bit later. But he very much is a key member of the organization already. Continuing to bounce around topics, there has been a apparent outburst of comments and reports that there were shortly going to be lots of undrafted free agents and accessible talents to the Canadians coming out of the U.S. College or the NCAA programs. Let's get that party started. Let's see what the Canadians can continue to acquire, sign, fill in spots, supplemental uh, options compared to just the draft or other avenues that are more traditional, secondary supportive personnel to the organization. Maybe they can take roster spots in the short term while other players develop. I think it's a very progressive and active method being deployed by Canadians management. And again, between Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon, I think they are the perfect tag team to be able to do that with and to be able to select maybe people in the interim as these guys can get into their third and fourth years of college or development. That way, when they all come to the Canadians, there's no more of this. They look totally out of place and lost, and they're actually ready to go. Not a lot of teams have a better list of prospects that will not only make, but have an impact and regularity on their team. Let's keep the pinball-like flow of these topics going by moving on to rumors that Coach John Tortorella, who was the coach of the Columbus Blue Jacks when Josh Anderson broke into the NHL and proceeded in having his best and most productive season, he would love to have Anderson in Philadelphia. And jumping right on the trade rumors, let's make that happen. Absolutely, let's do that. As a deal with Philadelphia would not only continue to bring high-level prospects and draft picks to Montreal add another pick, a very high pick in the 2023 entry draft from the already growing list of prospects and draft picks that they have. You know what? Honestly, if Caden Primo also would be needed to seal that deal with, let's do that as well. Leveraging what you have is equally as important as any other factor. If Tortorella already has a relation... Or a previous past with Anderson, and Philadelphia is willing to give up a high draft pick like that. And why did I mention Caden Primo? Well, Caden Primo continues to struggle. Caden Primo, unfortunately, his stock has never been higher than it was when he started with the organization. Unfortunately, other than a really good beginning, and an excellent AHL playoff last year, he's looked like a 7th round pick. It was a player that they took a chance on, and they always say 7th round picks, it's like, well, most of the time you don't look out, sometimes you find a gem, like in Raphael Harvey-Penard, Jake Evans, a 6th round pick and Michael Pizzetta. so a 5th round pick in Brendan Gallagher, so late round picks are, and do turn out to be good players, unfortunately, not all of them. And it doesn't look like Primo is going to have much of a future in Montreal unless something radically turns around. And at this point, and we'll talk about Sam Montembeau a little bit later, but he is obviously taking the place as the next goaltender in Montreal. I'm not saying he's the long-term answer. I'm not saying he's going to be the next great in the incredible list of goaltenders that the Canadians have had in their organization, but Montemano is the clear number one goaltender in Montreal right now. Jake Allen, unfortunately, Jake Allen has been injured all year again, and it's disrupted his flow, which has disrupted his timing, and plays a goaltender, and honestly, nobody in the AHL or ECHL is ready to. For that job. Argumentatively, could the Canadians have somebody like Jacob Dobbs come out of Ohio State and suddenly walk into something like Tom Brasso did out of Acton-Boxborough High School in the early 80s when he was the fifth pick overall in 83? Yeah, I suppose that could happen, but it's kind of like winning the lottery. Not a lot of chance for it. I mean, it could. You can never say never. But it's highly unlikely. So right now, Sam Maltebonneau is obviously the Canadian's goaltender right now. So throwing Primo into this deal, getting back to Philadelphia with Josh Anderson, Primo is a local kid. He was born in Vohes, New Jersey. And you're kind of like, what's that got to do with anything? Well, his dad and his uncle, Keith and Wayne, respectively, Primo, played with Philadelphia. Leverage him. I mean, if you can make an acquisition for a top 5, top 7 perspective draft pick, and something else maybe, and it takes Caden Primo to do that, that's an asset I'm willing to give up. Because it's not a cornerstone asset right now, like a lot of rookies are proving out to be. Such as Arbor Jackey, such as Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Kirby Doc, Jake Evans, fellow 7th round pick, Raphael Harvey-Penard. His beginning and impact has already done more and had a bigger impact on the Canadians than anything Caden Primo has. And moving on to other players, let's get back to my personal favorite, Arbor Akjai. He remains by far and away, over anyone else, my vote for the team's 2022-2023 MVP, Rookie of the Year on the team, and I believe he is the Calder or the Rookie of the Year winner for the league. He has brought a combination of skills from far better skating than anybody knew of, Better in the transitional game, solid first pass, has contributed offensively, not only has brought physical tools, but we'll break this down a little bit later, and knows how to use them. His versatility and ability to play up and down the defense from the top pairing, or as the number one left-handed defenseman, all the way to anywhere else on the team, is well beyond his years and experience. And to know how to use his physical abilities and not put the team in a detrimental or bad position with an proper use of them creating excessive amounts of power plays and other issues for the other team's advantage is an extremely under-discussed level of maturity and extremely unappreciated apparently i mean that there are players in the league that have played for years that haven't figured that out yet He already knows how to and thankfully he is finally a player i'm gonna go back to somebody who they everybody seemed to have feelings for after he got traded and that's jeff petrie have you noticed this year there is no goaltender getting knocked around or other players being taken advantage of because arbor has led the way in saying hey not allowable you're not going to do that to my team without paying a price And he hasn't gone in and pummeled anybody. He hasn't put people in the hospital. He hasn't taken a cheap shot. So the whole enforcer concept or image, people still want to hang on to that. It's kind of like a bad boy type thing. That's not what he's doing. He's using all of his attributes and skills to his advantage legally competently, and beyond his years. And if somebody is six foot four, in his case, 240-plus pounds, nobody can sit there and go, well, he's he's just um, using those in an unfair way. That's the skills that he has. And he's developed skills beyond what he has or enhanced what he has already in his rookie year. How many number one picks overall, and I'm not comparing them to Yurav Savkoski, but how many number one picks I would say He's been more impressive than Owen Powers, who's the number one pick of the Buffalo Sabres recently. He has put together a complete package and was a walk-on, not only in the NHL, but in the juniors as well. I mean, seriously, how can that not be impressive? How can that be misinterpreted? And how can that not be completely and fully appreciated? That is just absurd. I want to toss this out as we're moving around on topics. Five rookie defensemen, have come together this season and have claimed both their spots on the roster and that team's defense as their own, as rookies. In addition to all the individual things we've talked about for Arbor Akjai, Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris, Jonathan Kovacevic, and the latest, Justin Baran, they have all come in. And what's absolutely hilarious about that is there were people in the preseason going, oh my god, Montreal cannot start three rookie defensemen. It will be catastrophic. They're not ready. They won't gel. Their careers are going to be destroyed because they were inappropriately brought up too soon to the roster. Not only did three of them make it, five. One guy was claimed on the waiver wire just before the season started, Jonathan Kovacevic. One guy wasn't quite ready, so Montreal proved, hey, if you're ready, you're here. If you're not, you're not going to start yet. In Justin Baran, and now all five have come together to claim that defense. Is the magnitude of that accomplishment really understood out there? That has never happened before. Five out of six spots on your defense is all handled by rookies that have not looked out of place. Now, has some veteran defensemen chimed in? Sure. Unfortunately, Mike Matheson has been injured a lot of the season. David Savard has honestly been probably the most consistent and injury-free out of the veteran defensemen and has probably been an exceptional, calming effect on our Akjai. Joel Edmondson, unfortunately, has been both injured and seems to be fighting continuous injuries, and that's really unfortunate for him. I would not wish that on anybody, but these guys have largely done it alone. That is a remarkable accomplishment. When you're talking about all these guys are not just five young guys, but five young rookie defensemen. I mean, let's drive that point home. Five rookie defensemen out of six starting roster points. Now, the only bad part about that, as I covered in the previous episode, is you've got an absolute truckload of talent. And even if you were to eliminate all but two, only one of these guys can start. Lane Hudson or Logan Mylou. And both of them are going to be unbelievable defensemen. Very different styles, but highly effective. And that's on top of the many others that you have. Matthias Nordstrom okay you have Jaden Struble, you have Eric Instrom and countless other guys there's you talk about healthy competition there is healthy competition coming on the defense that is incredible depth. Unfortunately, there's probably going to be some good players that may eventually be moved. The only good news about that is as much as I hate to lose good prospects, well, it should keep the Montreal Canadiens flush with a continued flow of excellent high draft picks because they've drafted really well and not just in 2022 under the new management as we've talked about before, but man Mark Bergevin left them a treasure chest of prospects from the three previous Drafts before them. I mean, it is just unbelievable. But this defense, Kirby Doc and Raphael Harvey Pernard, which we'll get to some more information about them a little later, how is that not the focus on this season? How is that not the highlight? How are those things not the overwhelming driving factor of enthusiasm and excitement of the 2022-2023 NHL season? And if you think of all the things that are being focused on, why are the injuries and negative issues being focused on? I thought society who likes to mention on its own and likes to say in media outlets has progressed a lot and made a lot of progress. Apparently not, because there's a lot of things that are very positive not being covered. Versus, oh my god, the injuries, they're going to set back the Canadians, they're going to cause players not to be traded, they're going to cause just chemistry problems. What is the obsession of focusing on the negative? Why is the positive not the focus? And that's just not a question about pro sports. That's a question blanket across the board. I don't get that. Where is the extensive focus on Kirby Doc, who I said we'd get back to, who has not only improved his faceoff percentage from an abysmal that he had with the Blackhawks. He's having a career year, more points than he's ever had. He's heading towards a very high point season compared to ones of his in the past. I'm not saying he's Cole Caulfield yet, but he is clearly a balanced passer and scorer. He's fit into multiple lines in different positions. He's played the wing on Nick Suzuki's line, he's played the number two center on his own line. He's played different positions with Sean Monaghan who was helping him out before he got injured. He's done very well. And it's amazing that everybody immediately when Montreal acquired him, oh my God, what a waste. This is not what we need. Sure he is. He's a 6'4", 212", big, lanky, rangy, skilled center. I'm sorry, did somebody say the Canadians don't need that? Really? They've been looking for that since they drafted Wickenheiser in 1980 out of the Regina Pats in the Western Hockey League, which to this day remains the most hated draft pick ever, not because of him personally. He never did anything personally. It just happened to be that Dennis Savard was also available that year, who went on to have an all-star career. So there was really nothing Doug Wickenheiser would have ever achieved that would have forgiven him, even though he wasn't responsible for it, or the organization for not making Dennis Savard the pick. But this center is finally that guy, the first large, rangy, lanky, skilled center that the Canadians have had since Jacques Lemaire. Or, if you want to go a little more recent, maybe we can go to Bobby Smith when he was acquired. But Bobby Smith was also acquired on the back side, as some people like to call it, of his career. He wasn't acquired really young. So if you want to go to that, since Bobby Smith, that's been a while. So I don't understand why people had such a negative belief of Kirby Doc. When a player plays in the right system, the right coach, in the right concept, his skills are understood and he's fit in or placed where he'll excel in an organization, please name a player that hasn't excelled at that point. I mean, name the sport. All the great quarterbacks in the NFL, yeah, they've been great quarterbacks, but if they are put in the right system, Joe Montana, Tom Brady in New England, Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. The list keeps going. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. If you're put in the right system, if the concept of your team is correct for your skill set and you have the right players to mix with, you'll excel. You can have all the talent in the world. If you're in the wrong team at the wrong time with the wrong players, you lose. Honestly, it's that simple. It's nothing more dramatic requiring of a higher education or anything else. But in addition to Kirby Doc, how about Raphael Harvey-Pernard? I would have thought the city of Montreal, if not the province of Quebec itself, would go absolutely wild over that. And him. He checks all the boxes. He's local. Before we get to he's local. He's ready. He's fitting seamlessly. He can play on any line with anybody. He could be an offensive guy and top six forward. He can be a defensive guy and a penalty killer. He's local. He's a French-Canadian. Finally, that local guy has arrived. Montreal has tried to make many first round picks and failed horribly on those. Okay? Montreal has tried to lure other players there. One of the funny things about a French player excelling in the Montreal uniform is he wants to have to be there. He needs to be there on his own. He wants to have to play for them on their own. He has to have the passion and the love for the city and look forward to everything that awaits him from that incredible city, its incredible fans, its incredible media, A place like nowhere else on the planet for this game. But he wants to have to have all of that. You can't force somebody to have that. He has to want to be there and be a part of that. And those French-Canadian players that have done that, and unfortunately you have to go back to the LeFleurs, the LaPoints, the Savards, the Lemaire's, They wanted to be there. They had that passion. A lot of players can't live up to it. A lot of players don't want to be in that spotlight. Whether that's good or bad, in somebody's opinion, it is what it is. And people need to let go of that. He has come to the Canadians. He is a French Canadian. He is a local. He is embracing everything. And if you want to have it as a current example... Look how Raphael Harvey Penard is embracing, living up to, and performing above and beyond everything expected. And Jonathan Drouin has just had a horrendous experience and time in the Canadiens organization since arriving. He just couldn't do it. Whether it's injuries, he couldn't live up to it. Whatever it is, it just didn't pan out for the guy. And as much as I want to see Drouin traded, I hope he goes somewhere and turns it around. I really do. I don't hope for bad, really horrible luck or anything else for anybody, but Montreal, though he wanted, I think, to be the local savior and things like that, it just didn't work out. To the point in which he had to take leave to recover mentally from it. It was that much fatigue and stress. That's not good. That is not good for somebody to go through. So I wish Jonathan Duran all the things that I've said as far as, God, I can't wait until he gets traded, I can't wait until he's gone. Above and beyond everything else, I wish him the best. I really do. I hope he turns it around and can become the player that he was in junior somewhere. And what I really hope for as well is people, when that happens, if it does, don't sit there and go, oh my God, we gave up on him too early. It was never going to happen there. Maybe his perfect spot is in Washington with the Capitals where there's a lot of other players that can take the pressure off. Maybe it's in Colorado where he can reconnect with Nathan McKinnon who is his linemate in juniors when they played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I don't know. But definitely Montreal is not his spot. But Harvey Penard has brought enthusiasm, excitement. He can play 5-on-5, five five, kill penalties, play at other critical times, and not look out of place. Why hasn't that created a bigger buzz? While we're talking about bringing players up, another player that I would like to see come up is Lucas Condata. I think he's a perfect number 3 or 4 center for the Canadians. He's big. He's 6'2 two over 200 pounds. He can play a good solid 2-way game. He was captain of his team at Lowell Mass. He's having a good season. He can score he can shoot I think he'll be a good addition to the Canadiens I think he'll make the perfect number four center at least while other prospects are developing anybody hear that expression this is a perfect storm or a perfect opportunity that is what's presented itself to the organization to be able to do an organizational evaluation in every conceivable way at every level not only in the limited offseason that most teams normally have but during an actual regular season in real time to exactly find out what do they have at every level, both short-term and long-term. That effect will serve and guide the organization for the next two decades and is invaluable. And they have the perfect management team and head coach in place for it. There is no favoritism. There is no preconceived notion. Everything is on the table, and that benefits all the players who legitimately, for the first time in Montreal, since the great teams of the 70, honestly have a legitimate shot to make the team if they prove themselves. Not have a really great training camp or do really well and then get sent down because, ah, well, you know, we like to play more veterans like we like to play rookies. Hey, play the guys that are ready. I don't care if they're rookies, I don't care if they're veterans. Play the right 20 guys. There, there can't be favoritism. And if a rookie's ready to come up and he's cheaper and he's younger and he's less injured, it sounds harsh but it's time to put that person in the lineup. Now, on a completely different topic here is something that I am at a complete loss to understand why it's getting any attention at all in any way. And unfortunately, this is the perfect example of what I mean by why aren't the positives being covered? Because I don't even get this to begin with. What's with the belief that any organization should send and receive letters to fans to explain to the fans where the organization is going, what direction it's going in, or why they're doing what they are. I want to know in, in at what point and in whose mind did that or does that even remotely make sense? Sound like a good idea? Is a rational idea and makes any kind of sense. And that's a greater concern to me than a lot of other things. At what point did the fans start needing to be coddled somehow believe they require this type of clarity, need explanations, or felt they were entitled to such a letter, it begs the question of which is more ridiculous. Organizations that are contemplating putting out such a letter, or fans believing they actually deserve such letters explaining said topics. Really? I mean, are there fans that own like personal stock that have a financial value or impact on this? I get it. Fans are passionate. I'm passionate. I have loved this organization and have been a relentless fan of it since 1970 do the math on that that is a long time and the organization does not owe me anything okay i don't expect birthday cards from them birthday presents free tickets once in a while being sent free paraphernalia or something that's not what the relation with a fan is the fan buys a ticket Team shows up, plays a game. Game gets played, game finishes, fan goes home. Players go home. That's it. That's the relation. Somebody bought a ticket for an on-ice product by the organization they wanted to see. That's the relation. There is nothing more complicated to it than that. I don't know where these kind of things are coming from. That is just absurd. It's completely ridiculous and screams out to be made fun of relentlessly. At best, this entire concept and any expectations is ludicrous at a minimal. And such letters do not need to be put out by organizations. Or people don't need to be explained to. That's not the job of the organizations. The organization is worried about its players. It's worried about its organizations and its prospects. That's what they're there to take care of. But unless somebody is like a part owner, even a percentage point, there is no involvement or any type of relation there. It's a local team for you to determine. If you're going to be a fan of, follow, purchase tickets, go to the game, watch them play. Like I said, end of the game, you depart, players go home, game's over, somebody won, somebody lost. That's it. But there's no owing of anything else to anybody. That is just unbelievable. For lack of a better term, it really is just one of those things that is so incomprehensible you'd lost for words to try to figure it out. But if it's actually believed that somebody's owed that, what it does clearly demonstrate is a demented reality. Because it doesn't exist. And shouldn't exist. The the fact that anybody thinks it does, or that should be an expectation, or they should have those kind of reactions and be entitled to that. Wow. That's scary. It really is. So how about we live up to that status and that achievement that everybody wants to say has been achieved? And look at the positives. And just go back to being fans of your teams. Even if you attend a game, that you're there and somebody else is, you're a fan of that team, they're a fan of somebody else, they can be their fan of their other team as well nobody's more important, and nobody should not allow anybody to express themselves. It has nothing to do with what anybody agrees with or anything else. It was once said, can't we all coexist? Can't we all believe what we believe in? At what point did people start thinking somebody else owes them or everybody else has to agree with them? It just, no, it doesn't work that way. And it can't work that way, and it can't be allowed to work that way. Because that's not a good future for society at all. I mean, we're talking about hockey here, but that doesn't go well with anything. So let's look forward to the rest of the season. Let's hope the Canadians set a different type of record, because God knows they have set a record consecutively for man games lost and injuries. Those aren't the kind of injury or the kind of records that we want to see set. I would love to see them set a record this year at the trade deadline of trading the most players. And at this point, there are some of those players whose value has decreased because of injuries, and lack of play and skills displayed when they're playing. But let's move on from them. Let's build the team. Let's bring the championship and the Stanley Cup back to its rightful city and the only city that it should be in. Let's all be happy about it. And let's start congratulating all these players that have done a remarkable job. The five rookie defensemen, Kirby Doc, everybody else. That's done well. Raphael Harvey-Pernard. Let's embrace what the team is doing. Understand what the team is doing. Why they're doing it is for long-term success. Yeah, Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon want to bring the Stanley Cup back to Montreal. Of course they do. Everybody does. But wouldn't you like it here a lot rather than just occasionally? Or at least be in contention for it every year because the organization is that well-managed. And the pipelines have been filled with consistent, high-quality prospects. That's what I'm looking for. On that note, thanks for tuning in to episode 31 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. Have an amazing week coming up. We'll be back soon. Thanks again.